welcome to Home Alone for the Holidays, the podcast where we talk about the holiday classic Home Alone in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm your other host, Brian. And with us today, we have a, a large suburban house full of special guests uh, from the Indiana Jones Minute and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days. It's Pete Mummert. Especially National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days. Yeah, especially. So thanks for joining us, Pete. Yeah, and you. from uh, from the Rocky Minute, we have Doug Greenberg. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> and a happy Hanukkah to you, Doug. <laughs> and a happy Hanukkah. Uh, World-famous podcast guest, Rachel Mummer is with us. Hello. Hello, Rachel. Thanks for stopping by. And fr- <laughs> from Return to Oz Minute and coming up in 2020 Home Alone Minute, it's Mike Carlucci. Snakes, snakes. I don't know no snakes. <laughs> no, I don't know no snakes, but I do know Mike, so th- thanks for coming. And joining us once again is the the shooting star that always breaks the mold. It's Dave Palace. <laughs> hey, Doug. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm really thankful you didn't burn down the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's still early, Dave. You never know. You never know. Yeah, we haven't quite made it through the movie yet, so he's got time. Uh, before we jump into uh, this, our sixth of six segments of Home Alone, I want to address a little. Uh, we had an outstanding question from a couple episodes ago. We were wondering about uh, one of the statues in the church where uh, where Kevin goes in to uh, contemplate uh, Christmas Eve, and he runs into Old Man Marley, and there was a statue, and and we wondered if that was like the seemed to be holding a stick, and and thought it might be like the patron saint of Fetch or something. Um, we've got some additional information thanks to uh, Father David Maui, the uh, padre of the Movies by Minutes community. Um, and he came up with, with, with two, two suggestions. One is kind of obvious that it's it's St. Francis, the guy he's wearing, sort of the Franciscan robe with um, a, a white rope belt that's associated with St. Francis, holding a book and, you know, and kind of other symbols. Um, and, but, and that would make sense if he's holding a cross. Now, it wasn't. So, so that's St. Francis. It's, it's kind of hard to see. I thought it was more of a Y-shaped stick than, a, than an actual cross. And that would kind of lend itself to possibly being uh, St. Ezekiel. Because there's a section, and I'll, I'll read this out from Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, uh, 15 through 19. And he says, uh, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, take a stick and write on it. For Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him. And join them one to another into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. And when, the, and when your people say to you, will you not tell us what you mean by these? Say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am about to take the stick of Joseph and the tribes of Israel associated with him, and I will join it with the stick of Judah and make them one stick, that they may be one in my hand. Uh, and and St. Ezekiel is often pictured with sort of a Y-shaped stick that it's two separate sticks in the top, but then they're braided together or twisted together at the bottom. So I, I thought in that picture it was more of a, a Y-shape. So I'm going to go with St. Ezekiel That's on that. That's a pretty impressive stick lore. Yeah. <laughs> We go deep. We 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 go deep here on, on our sticks. We don't. Oh my God, I was gonna I was gonna say that exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey yo, good old one stick Doug. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, all right. So then on to uh, the, the section of this movie at hand. We are starting at 85 minutes and 40 seconds into Home Alone. And it's Kevin is firmly in the grasp of bad guy Marv. And he is reaching. He is stretching. He is trying to grab at Chekhov Spider who has been crawling all over this house this whole movie. <laughs> and um, so let, let's get into it. Let's get into uh, the action and some, some spider on criminal crime here, or assault. <laughs> this is a great scream, but this is, not, this is not an actual scream. Or this is like an 80-yard scream here. Actual uh, Daniel Stern um, did not want to spook the tarantula while filming this scene, so he isn't actually screaming here. Oh, I read nice. the exact opposite. Yeah. I read that the that the uh, that the uh, tarantula handler told Marv or told uh, Daniel Stern that the tarantula doesn't have ears, so scream away. Yeah, that's what I read too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, see, I heard it was silent. He he just mimed it. That's disappointing because it's such a great scream. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, there's and I've I've I, I did find some things that yes yeah, said something says he screams something some says he doesn't now I think earlier when he's stepping through the window and kind of stepping on the the ornaments and the glass bulbs and everything I think that is an actual scream like that's that's you know Daniel Stern Stern screaming as they release that. This I kind of lean towards the the things that the sources that say this was eighty yard in, hmm. just the, the the tone and the timbre. It's almost it's almost like a a, um, a Ned Flanders scream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very high pitch, very high pitch. Yeah, it's um I know I know Simpsons is kind of an esoteric reference, but you know kids <laughs> ask your parents. Oh no. <laughs> I believe the internet would have lied to me. Yeah, you, you can't believe everything you read. I, I, I think I saw it on the making of is where I, I saw mine. Is there a, a commentary track? Yes. Anyone? Is it? Is that where you Macaulay saw Culkin. it? Macaulay yeah. Culkin. Uh, I don't know if I saw it on that or if it was in one of the just the making of you know like the twenty minute behind the scenes. I'll have mm. to see if I could find it. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, I think we talked about this maybe in part one but was Kevin ever really scared of the tarantula or was it like fear of getting his head beaten by a crowbar overruled any arachnophobia he might have had I don't think he's ever shown well I don't know if we've seen one way or the other like he, he certainly really wasn't the spider like, like the spider was always going around the house but it looked like Kevin never knew it Right. It's like Kevin and the Spire just never like ever noticed each other until this exact moment. It's like, oh wow, what a yeah, perfect spot for a spider to be. Or a transplant. <laughs> yeah. They acknowledge he- the spider in the in the early part when, when they're in Buzz's room. Yeah. Um does, he right? said I was I'm gonna feed you to my tarantula. But yeah. like uh but like I mean like we never really knew if yeah, if uh, if Kevin actually was scared of tarantulas or spiders or just more scared of like what Buzz would do to him, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it was more scared than Buzz because when uh, w- when the spider actually escapes, like he doesn't hesitate to climb up those to you know climb up those shelves to get kind of Buzz's treasure box that's on the yeah. top shelf, and you know even though the spider's in the tank, I would think you know a young kid who's scared of spiders might be shy of even 
you know, going near the shelf, even if he is in the tank. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and I, I mean, Kevin, you know, maybe if he was, you know, if he, if he was scared of the spider in the beginning, this would certainly be consistent with the growth that we've seen in him. True. Um, you know, our, our little boy's becoming a man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Christmas is all about, I think, is you're forced to become a man because your family has abandoned you. <laughs> PTR, everybody. <laughs> oh man, where do we go but, from there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us, everybody. You know, um, that is if you, yeah, that that is strangely. It's kind of like the the trope in like every animated Disney movie starts with a parent dying. Like all these Christmas movies, the the one one of the common strains, in addition to Christmas itself, is people being let down by various family members. That's that's something that happens in a lot of of holiday movies, it seems. Um, but then it's you know it's all these are opportunities. Every time you're let down, that's an opportunity for them to come back and then surprise you and be like, "Hey, we came back and we didn't forget you after all." I mean, we did, but then we felt bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> Very reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas is kind of a, a get out of jail free card. Like you can be a complete jerk every other day of the year, but then on Christmas you, you kind of get a free pass to redeem yourself for everything for the rest of the year. Are you saying that that's not okay? <laughs> <laughs> you got know, somebody complaining about that? That's been my get out of jail free card for years. Don't tell me, Pete. <laughs> it ain't so. <laughs> yeah well i guess i mean that's sort of consistent with i mean i don't know if if every strain of of christianity has the concept of confession but um, at least in catholicism the idea like you do bad stuff and then you confess and then all is forgiven and you're you're good whereas um you know in the jewish faith we we hold grudges for for five thousand years <laughs> <laughs> You know, we we'll we still talk about that wicked son who was left behind in Egypt because you know, <laughs> asking smart questions. We'll see what happens to you. You know, but if we go with the confession model, the only the only way it's going to work is if you die at midnight on Christmas night, because then you're back to being an asshole, <laughs> like on, on December twenty sixth. Well, you you don't have to. You can you can be good all year round. Well, that's my point. You should be good all year round. But I, I feel like the message I get from Christmas movies is you don't be good all year round. But then on Christmas, everybody loves you because you're good for one day. Well, then what's that mean for Harry and Marv if they're definitely being bad on the holidays? Yeah, they, they might be the heroes of the movie. I'm not sure. They're, they're showing you <laughs> that you should live every day the way you live every You should live Christmas the way you live every day. Hurt your right. feet. <laughs> well, and certainly we we've heard Harry complain about sort of the traditional values, and you know, all, why is there, no one's home on Christmas? Everyone's traveling, and they're all over the place when they should be home with family, and they deserve to get yeah. robbed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What is that deleted scene? Like, I don't know if you're really going to count that one, Sean, but that one deleted scene where where Harry, yeah, he kind of like goes off in the van about how. Like what was it? Remember that scene where like him and him and Marv are talking. He's like about that. How he's kind of like holding a grudge because people don't appreciate like what they have or something. So he's like, we're going to steal and make up. You know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, yeah. He, he talked, you know, whatever happened to sitting around the fireplace with your family. It's, it's, that's why I hate Christmas. It's just another sign of the moral decay of society. Cause it's like, it's like this burglar all of a sudden, like really like opening up and it's like almost uncomfortable. Like definitely for Marv being like, <laughs> oh, I thought we were just robbing for the sake of profit and you're really getting like, just <laughs> the cradle uh, stuff here. <laughs> Yeah, Harry definitely he thinks a lot. He's a very thoughtful criminal and, and has a you know justification in his head. It's like, you know, yeah, you're you just des- you did this to yourself. You deserve it for not being home on Christmas. Well, and there's some evidence in the film. Uh you know, Har- Harry's tries to say he's a different class of criminal. They're gonna be better. And when he's lying on the floor, you can see his wedding band. You know, obviously, you know, his family fell apart. And Harry takes it takes it to heart yeah i was i was about to ask because i i know that isn't that is it rumored like that's a that's a gaff like that's a joe pesci ring that like he forgot to take off and i didn't want to redo the scene is that what like the, the official hmm. word is on that i haven't heard about anything with that because i always i always just like head cannon was like you know found a ring you know from like one of the many houses they robbed and uh and he, I mean, like that's my head can. Like, it's like a, it, you know, some some fairly heirloom from one of the houses that he put on. He was going to keep it. He wasn't going to sell that one. Well, uh, well, based on the transitive property of Christmas movies, if if Joe Pesci is if Harry is stealing all this stuff to take care of his family, and he's doing it on this one day of the year, does that mean he also is a good guy? That's a good question. They never did bring up any real like you know. We only see these guys like live in a van. We never see a house. So. Maybe it's it's kind of almost better the movie never showed us where they live because then we would think too much about the burglars and then it would feel like you know you know lower class and then like this way upper middle class where they're just like they don't spend any time with the family where it's like this lower class where he's just robbing to to just to make ends meet yeah yeah although it seems like the the plan is for Harry and Marv to have all their thievery done by Christmas Eve so then they can spend Christmas Day. With their families, and they'll be nice. all kind of yeah, yeah. And he has you know all this stolen loot that he can put underneath the tree. <laughs> Though it does seem weird that they would be married. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily to each other, but yeah, I'm not gonna like that either. <laughs> well, that yeah, that, that kind of paints the whole thing in a different light. If we right. think of. Uh, Harry and Marv as, as a couple in life as well as in crime. <laughs> well, I was curious if that plumbing van at, at, at one point ever really was a real plumbing van, and they just but now they just use it as a uh, a prop decoration so they could you know be in be in neighborhoods and no one thinks any anything Ooh. more. Like that so, was they were plumbers and then they just you know got I don't know angry with the system. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like Robin Hood. Like they're robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. Yeah, the McAllisters have the money to demand uh, a private jet. Like, can you get us a yeah. private jet right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not going to miss anything that Harry and Marv managed to get. Right. Well, they're and he, they're just stealing from criminals. I mean, he, all this is ill-gotten gains anyway. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. They also might be setting themselves up for future employment because if they are really plumbers. In the off season, 
um, and they're flooding all these houses, maybe these homeowners are going to call them to fix their their leaks. Yeah. Well, I guess then that kind of ties in with like kind of would explain the origin of or help explain of Marv's wet bandit thing. Like, why did he decide on that for his calling card? Yeah. Because they used to be plumbers. I like that. It's been right in front of us the whole time. <laughs> Big well plumbing done. moved in, bumped out the little guy. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin then runs up the steps. Oh yeah, back to the movie. <laughs> back to the movie. That's it. Runs up the steps, tries to hop out out the window. I think we were talking about this a little bit last time. How it's just a straight line, which is pretty well, funny. Yeah, though now it seems like there is a slope. When he was running the the rope between the house and the treehouse, it definitely seemed like it was just a straight shot, but. I don't know if it's the angle, but when he's yeah, when he's getting up, he's got was like the handlebar from a bicycle across the yeah. rope. It does look like there's a little bit of a a slope there so running he could, down. He could make it. Could go. He down. could make. Well, he he or or a, a short boy sized stuntman. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm usually pretty bad at that, like spite spotting when. The actor is replaced by the stunt guy, but I, even I was able to pick this one up. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty obvious. Do you guys think it would be hard to balance on handlebars that where your hands are that far apart from one another? Yeah, the mm. rope. Yeah, it would be very hard to balance. Yeah, because your, your weight really has to be distributed evenly. And he's he's not really balanced in the close up shot. He's like we kind of weight weaving back and forth, and it seems like once that started, he'd be flying off. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and he's like pumping his legs like he's riding a bike almost. <laughs> is, that is that definitely an, sw- you know have his weight? Yeah, gone. is that an ET homage? <laughs> like it feels very <laughs> ET when he's pedaling across <laughs> this thing here and the music. <laughs> the- sure, sure. <laughs> um, did John Williams do that score as well? Yeah, yeah. For ET, yeah. so it, it, that's yeah, that must be it. Some common strains in the. Uh, there's certainly yeah the 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 score at that point we've get like the soaring strings and the horns and that's everything. a great it's one too yeah yeah um, yeah I tell you that John Williams he can uh, he can <laughs> score a movie like no one's business <laughs> that's what I hear it's almost like the guy knows what he's doing oh, almost almost he should uh, he should get more work whatever happened to that guy <laughs> uh, now is this like Kevin's well, we know he's been there before when he first ran the rope over. But are these like the first time for Kevin in this treehouse? I imagine this is Buzz's treehouse, and like Kevin doesn't isn't allowed in very often. That's interesting. I was at the I was at the ask that who who like built it because it looks so you know poorly made. Like it looks like Dad barely helped, <laughs> did not help out in this. Yeah, just- well, their, their father is in the construction business. Yeah. <laughs> the wide slats and like big open slots for like just it's like at no nice no weatherproofing. Uh, think there's some wood rock going on. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be poorly built. Yeah, it's not treated at all, especially in like yeah, especially for Chicago. God, you wouldn't want to spend spend more than like ten minutes out there if it's like unless it's like July summer. You wouldn't want to spend more than ten minutes out in that thing. You know, nowadays you need you need permits to even build a treehouse. You can't just throw a treehouse. Yeah, like, yeah. You got to do it like right. Well, how do they have electricity running to it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, that's just, that's just a Coleman. That's a Coleman land. Right? Okay, okay. 
Yeah, Aegis is a common laner up there. I mean, it could be cable, could be telephone. Who knows what, what else is in there? He doesn't, he doesn't just... have a phone in the treehouse. Get over it. <laughs> He's going to call 911. <laughs> we all wish we had a phone in our treehouse. I got a phone in my treehouse now. I, I call police and ice on people all day from my treehouse. <laughs> from your treehouse. <laughs> yeah. You're just up there with your binoculars, you know, like, oh, my neighbor's being suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> call, call ice. Call the feds. <laughs> oh, and the treehouse is flying the Jolly Roger, so yeah, it's really welcoming for a pair of criminals, right? Oh, nice, yeah, yeah. They're like, like pirates, you know, stealing from the the the, the rich. Yeah, so oh, yeah. it must feel I like if, if, if we yeah if we make it over to that treehouse, then we're on it, then we're on our territory. <laughs> our territory. Uh, <laughs> I, I like how Harry says, "Are you scared, more? Are you afraid?" Like, yeah. It's 35, like 40 feet up, and I have no shoes. Yeah, I have every legit reason to be afraid. The way they choose to get across is is really impossible. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna spin. How many? How many? You take a lot of upper body strength and grip strength. How long do you think that is? Yeah, 100 feet. Uh, yeah, is, yeah, at least they're going really far. Yeah, really, their their best chance was like to take the rope, go down to the maybe that second floor a little where the where the window is, and like and then from there jump for the bushes. All you have mm-hmm. to do is avoid the uh, the the brick wall. That's it. But I mean, in the bushes, you could you could survive it, but nah, yeah, not that that whole way over. No way. If they had the art, I'm sorry, Rachel. Go ahead. If Kevin already had that set up, you'd think they'd think like, oh, he had that set up ready to go. So, of course, he's going to, you know, cut the rope as soon as we're on our way across. So I don't know if it was just they wanted to get him that bad. They weren't thinking all the way through on that. Harry, Harry, I mean, his logic was he wants us to go back through the house. Like, there's more traps. Oh, yeah. So we will go through the rope, which he didn't think we would do. But then Kevin did <laughs> Kevin's gone both ways. Like he's got paranoid to go back to the house, and now he's got him yeah. hanging up on a rope forty feet yeah. above the ground. So you could, yeah. This is where like the little bit, like there's a little bit of Sicilian inside Kevin that he's like, oh, they're gonna go the rope, so I'll make them think that I want them to go down through the house. But because they think I want them to go through the house, then they are gonna come down the rope. He's- <laughs> I've got a question about these trees. Like okay, if, you, if you look at like two minutes and twenty eight minutes into this clip, there are a lot of green leaves on all these trees for Christmas. Ew. Yes. Are you asking like what kind of trees they are? That they still have greenery on them? Like the tree in ever- front of the house is completely green. Yeah, those aren't evergreen trees. Those are. I guess if you have as much money as Kevin's family does, you can have little <laughs> heaters around the trees, or they just have someone putting. <laughs> Painting the leaves green year round. <laughs> yeah, what was this? Because this was, let's see, this came out in ninety. I think this was filmed like like early spring in nineteen ninety. So yeah, most most of the trees do look bare. As Harry and Marv are climbing out the window on the rope, there is, yeah, I guess you know, could be some early spring leaves sprouting. Yeah, and I, I you know, it, it's it's. I don't think this tree ever worked again. Because of this. <laughs> you know, it's you know, 
It, it, it was just an extra, you know, it was just a local tree that they pulled in for the production. And it's not a, obviously not a professional stunt tree. Yeah, with a performance like this. You can't hire it, yeah. <laughs> I honestly, one thing I'm really surprised about, I didn't think about this until, until now, is really like the family put no effort into the backyard, like landscaping wise. There's no deck. There's no barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. There's no patio. It just like it ends at the kitchen and that's mm-hmm. it. There's no one. They like yeah. the fence a, next to the garage. Did you notice how bad that fence was? That's like a twelve-year-old, like original, like crappy fence. Like it's, it's not where, like a nice fence. That's where Dad buries everybody. I think that's why it's just like yeah. <laughs> that's where the bodies are. Yeah, yeah. Because there's this treehouse. There's yeah. There's a um a tire on a rope, like a tire swing, <laughs> and yeah, that rickety picket fence between the house and the garage. Um, and a lot of floodlights. I would say this is most likely a side yard. Because if he, if this, this, oh man, I'm trying to think of the, the layout of the house now. So he went up the stairs, which is directly in front of the door and made a right. And that's where the stairs to the attic is. Mm-hmm. And if you go straight off the stairs to the attic, to the edge of the house, you're on the side of the house. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think how it came, it comes up. Cause like when he's, when he's about to step out, there's a railing behind him. I'm guessing that's like the railing of the steps. So I guess you got to go up and then you got to kind of like come around the railing take a 90 degree yeah 90 degrees and then you hit this window no it must be behind because we know like when kevin checks and he sees the cars are still in the garage we know the garage is next to the house and like when harry and marv swing and they fall it's at uh two minutes and 57 seconds in uh the way i cut up the film you can see them when they the rope cuts they fall against the brick on the back of the house as they're falling to the ground. You can see the garage in the background. I'm assuming it's their garage. I guess it could be the neighbors, but that's their garage. assuming that's yeah. the McAllister's garage, then they must be in the backyard. Yeah, McAllister's garage. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and later on, Kevin goes running past. You see the garage past, and then about three, three ten, three twelve. Yeah, and then he uh, runs around to the front of the house. So I assume it's in the back. Yeah. I mean, come on, Pete. Yeah. Didn't you see the map drawn by the eight-year-old kid in crayon? <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously to scale, right? <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, the left side of the screen—that's uh, that's the um, that's the back kitchen door and the basement door. So right. yeah, it's like the kid. I don't know. Do you think either either how Marley talked? How long do we think the family lived here? Like how he was saying, like before your family moved in. Like, do we think that? Do we think it's been a couple years? Do you think it's been like, you know... I think it's been a while. Mm-hmm. I think 10 years. Marley probably saw the development of the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Moved in right then and then... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, Marley was there when the whole neighborhood was still just an old Indian burial ground. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I was thinking more about the whole thing with him and his granddaughter being like... He might have never had a real conversation mm-hmm. with his granddaughter. It might only be through cards and gifts mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. how long it sounds like he's been not seeing his son. Uh-huh. So it's just like his granddaughter, you know, she's okay with him. She doesn't see him as like, oh, who's that guy? Oh, it's my grandfather. I never met him. I, it sounds like you know how he must write to her and give her gifts must be good enough where, she, you know, she smiles when she sees him. Um, he says, this is the only time I see her. So. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying is that like she might have been born in her whole life really she's only seen him from a distance. Yeah. yeah. So she doesn't know what she's missing. <laughs> yeah, it's like she So yeah, she doesn't miss it cuz he's ne- yeah, he was never around. Yeah, yeah, so 
but and, oh, that's really sad. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm guessing he writes you know cards very well. Happy birthday, Merry Christmas, and gives her nice gifts and stuff. And as I maybe her mother <laughs> talks to him. Like I said, maybe the, the, just because the son doesn't talk to him, the mother and him might have a decent you know like the mother's like mm-hmm. I don't want my daughter not to have a relationship with her grandfather so. just because her father's being and her, and her grandfather being jerks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, do you think it? You know, for the like for gifts that Marley sends his granddaughter, has he ever sent her a shovel? <laughs> is it like this is the family shovel this is yours now you know if you ever catch your dad not looking this is where you hit him <laughs> the scene just like uh with obi-wan your father wanted you to have this <laughs> you know like uh, another um, really sad moment about this uh scene when marv and harry first walk up to the window and they don't see Kevin. Marv's first thought is, "I wonder if Kevin committed suicide." And that makes me think he's, he's got some, some really traumatic experience in his life. I, I really feel for this guy. <laughs> that was that line was ad libbed by Daniel Stern, was it not? Anyone? Anyone? That's what I heard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think me and Rachel read the same articles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I heard that like he that line, and then all of John Candy's. Dialogue was ad libbed. Yeah, yep, I, I read the same. Wonderfully wow. ad libbed. When we get to it, <laughs> I also read something interesting in the quote rumored original draft that uh, the Uncle Frank was supposed to be the real villain of the movie. That he mm-hmm. had hired Harry and Marv to rob the <laughs> McAllister house in the neighborhood house the houses in the neighborhood oh. and also hired them to kill Kevin. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Yeah, what a oh, jerk. You know, what a jerk. Now Pete is intrigued. What a great children's movie. Yeah, I, <laughs> I heard that too. Like, so the first part totally makes sense. Like from what we've seen of Frank, like I have no doubt he would sell out the family and, and tip them off that this house is going to be empty. And you know, Frank's got gambling debts. So yeah. he's, you know, he's, he's, he's up to it, to his neck, but how would he know that Kevin was going to be left behind for him to say, while you're robbing the place, take care of my, you know, my bratty nephew. It'd be like some secret call he'd make. He'd be like in the penthouse and, and, uh, in, in Paris, and he'd pull out like one of those classic like bad guy uh, satellite phones. <laughs> He's got the same, <laughs> you know. And then like uh, you know Harry payphone. He's like, yeah, kids in the house. Like, you gotta kill the kid. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> bring me back something French. Kid was in that <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> well, no, he does set up uh, an opportunity because Frank finds the the appetizers right. And then everyone gets distracted. Yeah. That's when he could call yeah. call Harry. Oh, the shrimp. Yes, yeah, the yeah. shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> I said, John, I said, John, look what I found. Is that the line? Like, I said, John, look what I found. Like, yeah. Frank, those are for later. <laughs> those are, yeah, his, uh, yeah, Frank's imitation of French there. <laughs> um, uh so as, so as Kevin is running away from Harry and Marv, he's, he's you know out of the treehouse. He's running across the street. And I guess this is all like this big circular thing. This is the McAllister's driveway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is it's a plenty. It's plenty of space. But and it's funny how everybody hits that statue. Like, 
<laughs> you have plenty of room to maneuver, and everybody hits that damn little that little jockey statue. <laughs> you never have to go in reverse. You just you pull in one side and you pull out the other. Yeah. Well, because yeah, favorite. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. That's my favorite gag in the entire movie. If they had had Kevin <laughs> knock it over on the way back, that would it just the, the chef's kiss. <laughs> he just runs just running into it. Yeah, run, well, he's like running by and like just knocks it over as if like it's gonna slow them down. <laughs> and once again, the house looks great. I just have to add that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, all the scenes look so great. Well, once again, every every light in the house as Kevin's running by, we can see like every window, every room is fully illuminated. It's like they have to be like at least some like a distant relation to uh, the Griswolds. The way they lit up this house, <laughs> I was wondering are they are they in the same neighborhood as the Griswolds? Like, do you think they know the Griswolds? Like, they seem to have the same interior design. No, I, I think the Griswolds are like the other side of the tracks. Um, does, does food additive? I don't know. Exactly. The Griswolds have a pretty nice house. Yeah, they got that big colonial, right? Um, and we know we, we know they're both in Chicago suburbs. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, w- I will say that the Murphy house looks a lot closer to a, a Griswold sized house. Like that looks more yeah. manageable. Yeah. Whereas the McAllister house is just, I mean, that's just a house upon a house. That's just huge. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Well, that's like when the mobster moves in. He, like he just doesn't respect the architectural heritage of the neighborhood and just builds a giant gaudy yeah. mansion. Mansion with a really dumb looking statue outside. Yeah, I know. I know. That, that one's the McAllister house is the silver tuna, right? Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. But they, <laughs> the silver tuna. But they, they they chose this neighborhood for a specific reason because I mean, I think the whole neighborhood is really well to do, isn't it? Because you wouldn't yeah. pick an entire neighborhood for one house. True, you're right. Yeah. The whole neighborhood is good, and they have it. Sounds like they've cleaned it out. Like this was like like Harry could have left, and they would have had probably like. Six, seven houses worth of loot. Yeah, but yeah. like no, we're hitting the tuna. Like it, I'm not leaving until I get this tuna. <laughs> right, that's the cherry on top. Yeah, it's like heat and and that that I don't know addiction that 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 greed is what's getting them burns and beat mm-hmm. ups and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they if they left I mean, the McAllister house alone, they would have cleaned up, made a nice haul, and and have survived. Yeah, but he wants he wants it all, and now he's like. I mean, the funny thing is the kid runs away from the house. They could try to rob it all, what they could get in like 10 minutes and then leave. But they're chasing this kid who says he's going to call the cops, you know. But he a tree did. house? Yeah. Tree, <laughs> house. <laughs> tree houses don't have phones, a hole. I mean, I would have been worried that he would have already called the cops during all this time of my foot's getting stabbed and my head's getting burned. Right. I would be worried, like, all right, he's clearly stalling us. I'm right. concerned well, yeah, that by the time we yeah. get to him, we're gonna there's gonna be cops knocking down the door. Well, on the one hand, yeah. So they clearly knew they they he knew that uh, Harry and Marv were coming and kind of prepared, and and that could have included calling the police. On the other hand, maybe they know the cops in this neighborhood because we we see Kevin calling the police. It was in uh, the last section of, of the film, and then we see when the cops arrive. And it's a pretty long time. I haven't been timing it in terms of, 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 of movie time. But Kevin calls. He um, That's when he, then, he jumps the he jumps the tripwire. He jumps the tripwire. He almost gets caught from Marv. He he throws he puts the tarantula on Marv. He runs up to the attic. He ropes over to the treehouse. He cuts the rope. 
He climbs down. He runs over the Murphy Murphy's house. He goes through the basement, gets upstairs, gets caught, gets saved. Spoiler for a little bit later today. Gets saved. Both he and Marley get out of there. He's across the street and back into his house mm. before the cops show up. Yeah, it's like at least <laughs> 12 minutes, like 12 solid minutes. I think it's like a half hour. Half hour, yeah. I mean, it may be, I don't know how long it is movie time, but like in, in real world time, like a lot happens between that phone call and when they actually pull up. So the maybe they know the cops in this neighborhood. Like Harry knows, they. oh, we've got plenty of time. <laughs> or maybe the cops are using Kevin as bait. <laughs> I like the I, I like that I, I like the idea that like yeah, the the, uh, the cops know that there's criminals in the area and they're just like there's like there's already some tr- uh, some dragnet they have ready so they're just like we'll wait for them to leave the neighborhood and we'll get them all you know we'll get them while they are while they had the loot full so it's we got to like, catch them in the act yeah catch them in the act they got a whole van full of of, of jewels and VCRs yeah. And so we we saw some of Kevin's prep earlier, but there, he obviously did some things that we didn't see, which is, um, you know, obviously we, we can't see everything because then we won't be surprised. But one thing Kevin is not surprised about is that the Murphy's basement is flooded. So he must have been, I assume that means he must have been through the house before to plan out what he was going to do. I mean, it's, it's almost knee deep. I mean, his, he's, his knees aren't too far off the ground, but I mean, there's quite a bit of water in that basement. He doesn't seem surprised. I mean, yeah, his plan is so far. His plan is what is to get them to go in the basement and then lock both the kitchen door and then go around the house to <laughs> lock the uh, the basement latch. Like before they figure it out, is that what he's trying to get them to do? That's my only well, guess. Like, like... Why why running that? Like, he's got no trap set up here. So that's what I was trying to feel like. Is he trying to lock the kitchen door and then run around to lock the basement hatch? And then like, oh, boom, they're, they're stuck in there. Then the cops will get him. Or do you think Kevin would just let them drown? Like, do you think he would call the cops? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I was wrong. Just let them drown. <laughs> my, my theory is just on the other side of the kitchen door is there's a, a lamp cord that he's – you know he he's cut the lamp he's you know he's cut the cord and he's kind of you know frayed the edges oh my god and his plan was to turn around like stick that in the water and then electrocute them oh this, it, it's like you know it's, it's, um he he's yeah he's seen jaws too and he's like oh i'll just electrocute <laughs> smile you snakes smile you snakes yeah you know but, here's here's the thing that i don't know why it kind of bugged me watching this clip was Marvin and Harry don't wear belts. I don't know why it bothers them. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should be wearing belts for their, their, their big, big baggy pants. And Harry's got like a three-piece suit. He's got a vest and everything. Oh yeah, you're right. He yeah he yeah I mean yeah he's definitely they're definitely dressed for Chicago weather. Yeah, Not like an old timey criminal. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and Marvy doesn't he have Marv's wearing like the fingerless gloves? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> They are like something out of Charlie Chaplin. They're way they're way overdressed to be criminals. But that's oh, I hadn't noticed the belt thing. Um, that is odd to be wearing a vest but not a belt. What do you see that, that they're not wearing belts? <laughs> oh oh oh! When they fall, when they hit the wall, and she doesn't oh. fly on their backs. Uh, I think it's around like three minutes flat in our clip. Like you you yeah. see them lying down in the snow. And oh. like, no. <laughs> No way! That, that guy, <laughs> yeah, no belts. 
Oh, yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> and then Marv is kind of teetering after Kevin. At, at some point, wouldn't he say like, okay, all right, Harry, you go ahead and run after the kid. I'm going to go steal some shoes. <laughs> like he's still barefoot at this point. Like, ah. With glass stuck in his feet. Oh, oh yeah. open wounds. Probably uh, getting. Uh, 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 yeah, that'll get infected. Yeah. And then they catch Kevin at the top of the steps, outsmarting him for the first time in the entire movie. Yeah. 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 I'm always surprised because when he goes up, when Kevin runs up the steps in the cellar, you see all that water pouring down the steps, which the kitchen and everything is surprisingly dry. Yeah, you expect like a, a tidal wave to come through the door when he opens it. When he opens yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because the, the, yeah, the water should be coming from the kitchen, but then he opens the door and... It doesn't, yeah. You see a little see bit when Marley walks in, you see like the, the squishiness of the carpet. Yeah. When yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. 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 Water finds the lowest um, point, so it's going to naturally go into the, yeah. the basement first. Yeah. When we see the, when they hang, when they hang Kevin on the door, you see the kitchen sink in the background and the, like, the water's running and it's kind of running over. Got that going. Did they do all yeah. the sinks? Or just the kitchen sink? Because. There might be a utility sink next to that uh, washer dryer in the next room. You see, there's a there's a washer. Yeah. Sink. Okay. Yeah. So like maybe the laundry room sink as well. Although Marv, you know, how much time does he have? Mar- you know, because Harry's not down with the wet bandit thing. So Harry Marv's got to make up some reason to hang behind. So Harry goes out to the van first, and then when Marv's alone in the house, he quickly runs around and turns on all the faucets. <laughs> Solid plan. Yeah. Now I like the look. Now this, you know, this is totally unrealistic. Like this, you know, there's no way Kevin's sweater is able to hold him up this way without choking him. But (laughs) the look on Kevin's face, like, oh my god, like here's an adult who actually outsmarted me because obviously I'm an eight year old kid. I'm like the smartest being on the planet. (laughs) So far, he's been. I mean, and, and so far it's worked, but he's like, oh, he's getting his his comeuppance. Um, <laughs> and then so it proves, yeah. So so Harry and Marv run down. They're gonna do to Kevin what he did to them, and they kind of run down. And, and it's things that okay, you know, we've seen the movie, we're familiar with. They're gonna they want to burn his head with a blowtorch, smash his face with an iron. Um, I think Harry says, I'd like to slap him right in the face with a paint can. Marv says, shove a nail through his foot. Like, okay, so far, so good. Yeah, this is all things that, that they've suffered through. <laughs> but then Harry says, first thing, bite off every bite off every one of these fingers one at a time. Did did Kevin <laughs> has did Kevin bite them? Is Kevin, you know, is, I don't know, is that a deleted scene I don't know about? Like, did Kevin bite off any of their fingers? What that Where is, does that come is, from? That's a visceral hatred that Harry has for Kevin right now. Yeah. <laughs> and he wants to man. And I don't even know if it's like this may be I don't know if it's necessarily like a, a Harry versus Kevin thing. This seems to be like I don't know. Does like does does Joe Pesci need to talk? Because uh, during this, because <laughs> during this, Joe Pesci actually bites Macaulay Culkin. He's got a scar on his finger from where yeah. Pesci bit him. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they're sitting there like like Chris Columbus is sitting there with the script going. I didn't. You know, where's that? bite his fingers <laughs> off? That's not even in there. Like, <laughs> so that kind of comes out of nowhere. 
At least it seemed to for me. Pete, Pete is angry enough around Christmas to bite somebody's fingers off, I believe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe the same guy hurt Joe Pesci that hurt Pete. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> or maybe Joe Pesci was just like trying to be fatherly, you know, like, oh, who's got your finger, kid? Who's got your finger? <laughs> that kind of nibbling. Uh, yeah, when, when when Joe Pesci does that, I got your nose trick. He he really has your nose. <laughs> you end up looking like Chris Farley in, uh, what was it, Kingpin? I know what he knows what I'm talking about. All right. Farley? Nose ripped off? That's what I've seen every Chris Farley movie. I don't know this one. There was, yeah, there's one movie where his nose gets bitten off. All right. Well, folks, well, you know, listeners, if you remember what I'm talking about or if y'all think I'm crazy, go to uh, the Jelly of the Month Club on Facebook and tell me about it. Um, so so Kevin's on a hook. They've got him. Harry is uh, is digging in to eat some fingers, some kid fingers. <laughs> and then suddenly we see the boots and they squish in the wet carpet and we see the shovel handle. And it's Marley it's how old man Marley. <laughs> What has Marley been doing this whole time? Like he's apparently been home and he apparently doesn't care about turning the water off. Like he's got his boots on, but he never turned the water off. He doesn't want to leave his fingerprints. Right. Well, yeah, he never touches anything but the shovel. That's a great point, Dave. Maybe he's the one using Kevin as bait. Mm. Well, because, yeah, we were wondering, like, so he... Like, for going back to the church scene, like he said, you know, he tells Kevin, oh, you should run along home. He must, you know, he he's he knows everything that's going on in the neighborhood. He knows the family is <laughs> away on vacation, hurt. and Kevin, you know, this little eight-year-old kid's home alone, <laughs> yeah. and he just says, "Yeah, run along." Yeah, just he probably heard all the commotion, and he he was tracking them all down. Yeah. Wait, he lives right next door. How come yeah. no one called called Marley? It's like it's like, yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's like he says yeah. nobody communicates with Marley. It's so weird. Like now that the. The parents don't know him. The kids right. think he's a killer. Uh, yeah, like, he's a cra- he's crazy. They 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 rather have Kevin just stay by himself. Things. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, think. Is they never seen him with anybody? Because he, he's he you know he's he's totally separated from his family. Mm. So they're probably like, I don't know too much about that old man. He just lives by himself. So they're probably like, I don't know. No one. And probably yeah, both the parents have been too busy to actually like make conversation with you know with Marley. Um, but when they yeah when they call all the neighbors, I was curious about um, not only don't... just calling the neighbors, but when she who she was calling in the beginning of the movie when she was describing their vacation. I was very curious, like is that uh, you know is that just like somebody from work? Is that like another friend of hers that lives out of town that they're just gossiping and gabbing about? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it could be her sister. Yeah, you know the sisters complaining about oh I gotta you know I'm going to my in laws you're going to your in laws they're both complaining about their in laws. That's a good point. Yeah, we don't really know the mother's family. I don't think we know too much about them. We only yeah we only see the father's side. Well, you know it's it's that's how it is in these type of families. Like there's no outsiders around ever. <laughs> <laughs> so Marley, I keep going back to that church scene. You know, Marley said there's you know you. People, I know people are talking about me. It's not true. For someone who's supposedly not a shovel slayer, he is really handy with that shovel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he brought the shit. Yeah, he was just like, I bet he wasn't even shoveling that night. He was just like, I just, you know, he's, he, he, that's the, that's the, 
That's the shoveler, you know. He shovels well. He shovels very well. Yeah, he, he, yeah. But he's got it. Yeah, he doesn't do a lot, but he shovels well because it's been. I mean, it's been like what at least two or three days since the last time it snowed. You know, it hasn't we haven't seen any you know active falling snow during the course of the movie yet? He's always got that shovel around, and well, he has to dig <laughs> the ditches for the bodies. Yeah, <laughs> right. you must know the exact. Um, like precision point on a person's face that would knock them clean out because uh, Kevin couldn't find it and all the injuries that he imparted on these guys so far. <laughs> <That's true>. but Marley, <laughs> in fact, there, there was a, an article <laughs> written by a doctor that detailed how all these injuries would have affected the guys and how <laughs> they would have been out of commission far, far sooner than, than right now. And uh, Oh, yeah. So, I mean, so they survived through all of that and then get taken out by a snow shovel. Yeah, it was, it was, it was oh, as if they had like one HP left. Like they're like the stats <laughs> on the other other thing. It's just like it's like beep 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 beep. There's just enough just enough stamina to beat the you know beat Kevin to the kitchen. But that shovel does five <laughs> HP, and they had two, and that was it. <laughs> oh, is that is that it? So like, just Kevin softened him up for him. Yeah. So yeah, then he just comes in. He he gets the kill, but yeah. he didn't really do all the damage. I mean, he did a lot. Yeah, he did paint cans, did nails, he did yeah. micro machines. <laughs> well, also Marley's got to know. So if you look at the you know the show snuffle, it's very broad, so you can get a lot of snow, but the metal is not particularly thick. He knows like just the sweet spot where you know where what part of the shovel, not just what part of the head where he's got to hit Harry and Marv, but like what part of the shovel, like he gets it right on the end of the handle. Yeah, because yeah. I think the rest of that shovel, like it might hurt, but it wouldn't necessarily knock you out. The steel chair in the WWE, they know exactly where to hit the guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Plus, they've had all the injuries. This was like the straw that broke the camel's back yeah. here. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Straw. Um, all right. What if Marley is uh, Kevin's dad's hitman? Like that would explain <laughs> why we said that he's like the Luca Brazzi of the family, yeah, right? Yeah, and that would explain why when when maybe Kevin's mom was going to call him, and Kevin's dad was like, "No, no, we're not calling Marley." <laughs> yeah, we're not calling. And that's why he's so calm. He's like, "Nah, just stay here. He'll be fine." <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, when the mother's freaking out, like, "Oh, we've got to get on the next plane," and and. Dad is like, eh, you know, we're in Paris. We can chill for a bit. Well, there's that flight Friday we can take. It's no rush because he knows, yeah, he's got his man uh, taking care of it. That's why Marley is okay with with just bringing Kevin back home to stay home by himself again because he knows he's got him. He's he's like the ever-watching eye. (laughs) The ever-watching eye. Okay. Yeah. No, that that all is – that makes sense. That's – Completely consistent with everything we've seen so far in the film. Sorry for everybody that I cut off. <laughs> Wait, so does that mean that Marley actually followed him to the church and then just ran in and sat yes. down? I think that checks out. What you, you thought it was just a coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he just picks a girl out who just looked at that 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 one. Yeah, it's my granddaughter. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's why Marley comes in when Kevin's buying the toothbrush. Because oh. he's been fo- he he's been following him around, he's keeping an eye on him. Very interesting. Very All right. Interesting. So 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 speaking of keeping an eye on things, I wa- I'm sorry. I, that, that now that's a sequel I want. Now it's Marley and Kevin. It's like it's a it's like a, it's like a Doc Brown, uh, you know, Doc Brown Marty, but it's like even a bigger <laughs> like Brown. age discrepancy between the two of them. See, I was thinking more of um, Leon and. Um, 
What's her yeah, name? Was it Matilda in the uh, in the professional? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, and yeah, little Kevin's oh, wow. like, teach me to shovel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want the training montage. <laughs> oh, I totally want. Yeah, taking out snowmen. Is the yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right up my alley. I love a good montage. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that the actor that played Marley in a previous role played a serial killer in one of his earlier movie roles. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He's Ed, got a face for it, Ed, uh, Ed Gein. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. yeah. So that could all that's check out. One. <laughs> <laughs> well, movie Monsters uh, started with Ed Gein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, listeners, if, if you don't know the story of Ed Gein, look it up. <laughs> there's, yeah, there, there's like uh, probably half a dozen different horror film franchises based on that on that on like a real life story, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and um, I think Friday the Thirteenth, and a couple others are. Um, well, and, and did he like in um, Silence of the Lambs as well? Yes, yeah. Because the the whole idea that Buffalo Bill is making uh, like making a suit from from skin. Yeah, everybody uh, gather the family around the Christmas tree and look like <laughs> Yeah, speaking of, of of yeah, good Christmas tales for the family. <laughs> um all right, so well speaking of uh a family, uh so I wanna I wanna break away from the movie to get uh get some history, find out kind of hear from our guests. What do you, you know what what are your thoughts on this movie? What is your history? When did you first see it? Is this you know, is this part of your your yearly holiday traditions? And let's we'll we'll start with the Mummerts. So so Pete and Rachel, you know, what's what's your history with the Home Alones? Rachel, you go ahead first. I don't remember the first time I ever saw it, and we don't. It's not usually a traditional movie we watch around the holidays, but I enjoy it. Um, uh, we usually do the uh, whole twenty four hours of a Christmas story and all of that fun. Nice. <laughs> That's a good one. One of, one of my favorites, the Christmas story. Um, how about you, Pete? You remember the first time you saw this film? <laughs> Do you remember the first time you hated this film? <laughs> no, this is one of the very few Christmas films I actually I actually like. <laughs> well, because you're rooting for Harry and Marvel. <laughs> But it, uh, I, I try not to have Christmas traditions, so I, I wouldn't say this is mm-hmm. one of them. But one of the movies mm-hmm. that, if it's on at, during the holidays, I enjoy seeing it. Fair, fair enough. Um, and and how about you, Doug? Same question. Well, I was twelve years old in nineteen ninety, so it, this was I was a perfect age for this. In fact, the scene the scene where the pizza delivery guy thinks he's getting shot at. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is one of the earliest examples of the funniest movie scene I've ever. Seen. I was howling out loud the first time I saw it. <laughs> I, I remember very very vividly seeing that howling at how funny that was. And it's just, I mean, it's just it, it's carried through to my adult life. I love this movie. Uh, it's touching, <laughs> and touching. and you love shooting at pizza guys. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing. <laughs> I mean, it, it hits you, you know, it hits you where it's meant to. And it, I mean, that's, that's all thanks to John Williams and his score. Um, yeah. It's touching. It's funny. It's, it's like the perfect Christmas movie. Yeah. It, you're definitely right. Like that's the, that age, like that's, that is cer- certainly the, the, the spot that this movie's aiming for. And it, it hits really well. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, And so Mike. Yeah. You are. You have an entire podcast coming up dedicated to this movie. What uh, kind of what's your history? What what led you to that place in your life? 
where you'd want to cover this one minute at a time? Well, I've been, I've been living home alone kind of one minute at a time for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we saw it in the, in the movies. Uh, so I was eight. My brother was six. Uh, all the kids in the area were around our age. And we spent summers like reenacting Home Alone. <laughs> As, uh, you know, to kill time every once in a while we would watch home alone we would be like trying to what one of my cousins was all she only wanted to be the statue like she was the statue you'd we'd be you know some, someone would ride their bike up she'd do a, a fall over <laughs> like we had the whole thing memorized we barely even be watching the movie sometimes we'd just get together in the summer and we'd all just be saying the line mm-hmm. I, I i have said uh like are you scared are you afraid more times than i can count it, it took a little convincing to get my brother to uh, to kind of co-host this thing with me, but we are we are very excited to to uh, <laughs> kind of do yeah. do Home Alone a minute at a time and just explore all the nonsense that you get when you've been kind of watching a movie at Christmas and then other mm-hmm. random times for thirty years. You know, I, I, yeah. I recently told my nine year old son that I wouldn't let him sleep in my room if he was growing on my ass. <laughs> so, i mean it doesn't have to be around christmas it's like all year round it's a very quotable movie oh yeah, yeah yeah absolutely um so uh it and as as i've been preparing for this podcast we've been covering about 17 minutes at a time and certainly i there's there's so many things that so many notes i have that i'm like we just we we don't have the time to go into um, you know, into that depth when we're covering big chunks the way we do. So I, I am, and I'm certain all my listeners are looking forward to, uh, to following you along one minute at a time. Do you have a, is there a website or social media, anything set up yet for that, Mike? By the time this airs, there should be a home alone minute.com. Uh, I think home alone minute on Twitter and we'll be probably doing some production in early 2020 to, uh, have it run every day or uh, some way in order to get the last episode for Christmas 2020. All right. Yeah. You got it timed out. Good. So it's one way or another, it'll end up with the last episode then. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So hopefully I I think this probably served as like a kind of just wetting the appetite for folks to go really deep with you next year. Yeah. The 30th anniversary. I mean, yeah, right on time on the stage. Mm hmm. All right, so so getting back to the film, uh, picking up where we left off is uh, yeah, some of um, what is it? Win- Winnetka is the what's the name of the suburb they're in? The, you know, those suburban police finally show up some length of time later, um, and this like this used to surprise me. It it took me. I'm not, um, and it, as you've listened to these podcasts, this will be a surprise to no one. I'm not very observant. It took me a, a long time to pick up that when Kevin calls the police, he's not giving them his own address. He's given them the Murphy's address. So this was this oh. was part of his plan the whole time that he was oh, going to wow. lure the bandits over there. Um, how he was going to keep them there, we don't know, but he had some plan. And then uh, yeah, so the cops the cops finally show up. Great songs. Is it ever Christmas? If if it doesn't end with the soft glowing flashing lights of police cars on the front lawn, 
<laughs> this idea of Christmas, I gotta be here for New Year's. <laughs> just, just Argyle tries his limit by the, all the cops taking yeah. the bar out. He's just, just like looking out, like man, oh man. Just, I want Argyle at the end of every Christmas movie now, just driving his limo, just commenting on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you learn, yeah, if, if you're if you're learning about North American Christmas tradition from movies covered by podcasts, then yes, Christmas Eve always ends with uh, with yeah the soft red glow of of the police and like what is <laughs> just like, it was just Argyle's coming to town, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> there should be that because that oh no that was in LA I'm like that wouldn't that be great like yeah just like as as we see them piling uh, Harry and Marv in the back of the police car we just like a limo go speeding past <laughs> just blaring <laughs> uh, Stevie Wonder <laughs> well maybe this is I'm trying to think because doesn't Al Powell does isn't that like a suburb of Chicago uh, yes yes Family Matters is in the suburb yeah, family- of Chicago. Oh, yeah. 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 But but this but if we're using movie lore, he's also right now, I believe, in L.A. And he sent the facts to John McClane and Dulles Airport, because I think this is also this supposed to be the same. 1990 oh, nine, Christmas is also Die Hard 2. Die, is now Die Hard 2. Yeah. OK. All right. Let's see. Well, Al Powell's uh, Carl Winslow's adopted twin brother. OK. <laughs> they just both sense. became cops. Adopted twin brother. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Separated at birth. Wait a second. When when is um friggin' when's Ghostbusters two? No. Yeah, Die Hard two is nineteen ninety. Die Hard two is nineteen ninety, but Ghostbusters two. Now I don't think I don't think Carl Winslow slash Al Powell was in Go, uh, Ghostbusters two, but he was in Ghostbusters one. He was the he was at the he was at the, uh, the uh, yeah he's in the jail. When he says the mayor needs to see you guys, but I don't think he's in the second one. That's in 84. So 84, he's in New York. Then by 88, he's in L.A. Yeah. Later in, yeah. If he still worked in the New York, also the New York police office with, in the Ghostbusters universe. So when that, well, that Christmas, too. That's Christmas. No, that's New Year's. I'm sorry. That's New Year's, I think, 1990. Yeah. So that's New Year's. Ni- yeah. So he wouldn't be in Chicago. It doesn't work. I'll have to edit all this out because it doesn't go anywhere. Edit it out. Double it up. <laughs> That's a good thought, in. though. All right. But Urkel would be in Chicago. Urkel would be around the corner now. Yeah. Urkel, yeah. Can his car fly? So he can go anywhere he wants. <laughs> I think Urkel got his car to fly by, like, the sixth season or something. Like, when the show just started going <laughs> off the rails and becoming sci-fi. Like, when Urkel was being introduced and, like... You know, NASA's calling Steve to like go up and stuff. But the show was like, didn't this just be about family matters? Like, no, 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 no. This is now the like Back to the Future knockoff suburban, uh, suburban hijinks of family matters. We're like, all the other family members have all left the show. The the young girl's not around anymore. Like, like half the family doesn't like. It's just like it's it's Carl and and Urkel at an empty house. With like horrible science equipment by the end of that show, and like the whole time you were going like, yeah, the the family matters don't even matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, speaking of shows going off the rails, uh, <laughs> why why does Marv feel like not only is he emphasizing to the police that he is the wet bandit, he feels the need to start spelling it. 
Like they won't know how to spell wet bandit if he doesn't. They get it right in the papers. Yeah, right he's just papers. yeah, he's paranoid about like yeah, like uh, getting named wrong. Maybe he should be saying that he should just be like uh, giving them the spellings of their names. You know, you know, out of Marv Smith and and Harry Johnson, whatever it may be. Uh, just just like spelling it out. He's like, nope, Harry Johnson. Harry Johnson. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I, I pulled from the uh, I need a name and perfect. Big Harry Johnson. Big Harry Johnson. <laughs> no, Mar- Marv's just an influencer. If this took place now, he'd be saying, uh, you know, check my SoundCloud. Yeah. yeah. Go to yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Hit me up. I'll be, I'll be following from, listening from prison. He yeah yeah he would be Facebook living robbing houses. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is Marv. I'm in the Murphy house. Totally going to their stuff. <laughs> but this is um, this is like George Nelson from Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Like he's not you know yeah he's not worried about getting arrested. He just wants to make sure they get the name right. Yeah, the image. Yeah, he wants to be famous. <laughs> And great, have yourself a merry little Christmas. I, I like this version of it. Lovely, lovely version. Yeah, so, you know, Kevin's smiling. He's um, waving by as uh, as the as, um, yeah, the cops drive away with Harry in the backseat. So, so, yeah, using your timeline here, I don't know, this whole thing gets wrapped up in an hour, you know, like between yeah. them entering the house and being arrested, at least, you know. So then he's got to clean up the house and then get it ready for Santa. He's got to clean up all the broken glass, paint cans, nails, getting tar (laughs) off the steps. How do you get the tar off the steps? How do you figure that one out? (laughs) Untar. Like, I would at that point just put the roofing tiles back on the steps. Be like, all right, well, (laughs) now the steps are like super, super roof uh, waterproof now. Yeah. No one's slipping on these steps. Um, well, we, 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 yeah, we, don't, we don't see the whole house, but yeah, we see the living room and we at least see like the window where there should be all like broken glass and ornaments and whatnot. And there's, and Kevin is putting out, he's got cookies for Santa and carrots for the reindeer. I mean, this is his last chance here. He thinks the family again is still gone. So yep. yeah. he's hoping for a miracle. Yeah. yeah. They really lean into the, to the Christmas imagery here with the <laughs> green and red everything, right? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, the couches, the blankets, the pillows, everything. Even like the, the the wallpaper. Yeah, because like yeah. some of it. Okay, the tree and decorations are are seasonal and stuff, but I I don't imagine they're they're you know changing the wallpaper based on the holiday. The curtains. Yeah, the, the curtains. Now, now that was in the commentary track that they did all that to enhance the time of year. The the Christmasness. It happens that you know we'll see it again when he wakes up in bed. You know, it's all, like the, the the bedroom's all red and green. I have to say, I, this is exactly how I imagine the inside of your house, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't you ever find this over, Sean? You have this just big house. Might <laughs> <laughs> it's all over for pizza. You you can come on over. I'll make sure there's there's plain cheese. Thanks for anyone who wants, but. If you ever, you know, certainly if any of you, if you ever make your way over to Boston or the Boston area, you're welcome to come on over. Just be um, be prepared to be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, From like from the outside, I will say like there's there is some resemblance 
Um, I do have a, a large-ish house, so there's some resemblance to the McAllister house here from the outside. But when you get inside, it's not it's not Christmassy at all. So uh, <laughs> the the inside will not live up. So um, maybe I'll just leave you outside. Doors <laughs> <laughs> in every window. Yeah. <laughs> Preserve the illusion. It does um, look kind of like they use the same interior decorators that the Griswolds use, though. A uh, wallpaper everywhere. Yeah, the yeah. wallpaper everywhere. And the- <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know, I, I um, I'll have, to, I'll have to go back and look to see if uh, if their newel posts are still intact on the stairs. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so just keep working on um, you know, Pete and Alex and whoever. Not not you, Pete. The other Pete. You know, whoever's planning the the movie by minutes conventions every summer. Um, yeah, if they if, if they ever come out to Boston. I'll uh I'll do like a Sunday brunch or something the day after. Oh, yeah. I'm so pushing it. Right right <laughs> <laughs> um and this is where let's see, either my wife doesn't listen to the podcast or we never hear from Sean again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if there's like a retraction slash correction that I have to edit later. <laughs> um so anyway, so back to the film, we switch away from you know, Kevin and, and him being alone in his empty house to Catherine O'Hara, it's mom, Kate, and she's still on the road um, with, with Gus. And as we said before, this is John Candy who, who improved all this stuff, just being, being the great John Candy with his great, um, his great little jacket, his windbreaker, <laughs> yellow, you know, yellow satin with the beer mug insignia. Did you guys talk about her, the real life friendship between her and John Candy? A little bit. Not, we didn't go into too much. I don't think we went too deep into it. But yeah, we talked about how, yeah, I mean, they had worked together on SCTV. Um, so they, they go back a ways. And uh, and Catherine Howe spoke at, uh, you know, his funeral. John Candy went way too young. Yeah. Um, apparently she gave a very tearful, heart-wrenching eulogy at his funeral. I didn't see it. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> it's just what yeah, I was, just, a moment of, just a moment of silence for the man, you know, just... Yeah, thinking about it. Yeah, you know, he was as yeah when I was little growing up. But he was he was like that 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 he was that uh, the Uncle Buck of any movie he was in. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you can trust him. He's a trustworthy yeah. guy. Like you know, he never he, he ain't gonna do you wrong. I remember watching um what was the one that played on TV a lot? Him and uh, Eugene Levy it was like Armed and Dangerous. Yes, they played that one on TV a lot. Must have been cheap or something. I remember Comedy Central played that like almost every week. Flash. Was- oh yeah, yeah. What and um, is it Meg Ryan? Yes. Yeah. They drive the armored cars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got a lot of play. And this is like the the, the thing John Candy does really well. Like, is is a a quieter scene. It's a more you know he's he's being sincere, and it's you know funny at the same time. He's going through you know so so uh, Kate's beating herself up. How how can I forget a kid at home when we go away on vacation? And Joe's trying to or Gus is trying to make his him feel better. He's kind of going around. You know, we're all we're all bad parents here. We're we're musicians. We're on the road. Joe forgets his kid name, his kid's name. Ziggy has never even met his kid. And then Eddie, let's hope none of them write a book about him. <laughs> what <the laughs> wow. Eddie must be a really bad parent. Yeah, what do you say? 49 <laughs> weeks a year or something? What do you say? Like, yeah, 48, 49. Yeah. Like, like, that means a God. Like, I hope they're making. Are you even home enough to, ha- like, how do you have a kid? If, I, you know, yeah. if you're away that, from home that much and somehow your wife gets pregnant? 
Yeah, like <laughs> I'm just saying. I, yeah, I was like, do they just like wire money from the gig like back to the house? Like, <laughs> how do they do it? <laughs> I don't. I, how much money do you think there, there is, is coming out of these polka gigs? Well, that's what I'm getting at. Like, there's not. A, there's no way like you could travel the country at, on gas money. Yeah, doing your polka in the Midwest. You know, they're picking again. right? <laughs> Very big well, and, <laughs> and they usually fly. So they met Kate in the airport and yeah. all their flights were canceled because of the weather and, and they ended up renting this truck. So yeah, I'm guessing like how like do they are they making money at this polka thing or does it all go into plane tickets and, and matching jackets? I mean I, they must have a hell of a holiday gig to be like, you know, on the road during the holidays. To try and get to these, yeah, you know, these gigs, and right, they must have we, big polka parties uh, during the holidays or something. More people that are not home with their families when they should be. If anything, these guys should be opening up for Weird Allers. But do you, do you guys know, like, <laughs> your background to this because this was actually uh, like a reference to a skit that John Candy did with SCTV, him and, and Eugene Levy. So was it written to be like a polka playing um, vagabond? Like this or ooh really? Yeah, they yeah, were. I uh, don't know the Schmengi brothers. Yeah, the Schmengi brothers. It's, yeah, I do remember this. Yeah, this, I don't know. was also in a a mockumentary with them in '85 called "The Last Polka." So maybe she brought it to. Uh, yeah, yeah. I hadn't made that connection, but so maybe this is. So what happened to Eugene Levy? Was it like the band broke up and. Oh no! I mean, it's not the Polanski brothers; it's the Schmengi brothers. So, yeah. so we kind of, I guess, maybe just John Candy took the took the idea and, and ran with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it, if it Brian, if it said anything in that um, in that behind the scenes thing that you saw. No, yeah, in the, the commentary. Yeah, I, the com. I'd have to go back and go over these parts again with the commentary on. All right. I was going to ask what Eugene Levy was doing down uh, during this part. So he's father of the bride. Okay, handball fever. Do, 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 do. All right, Army Dangerous is eighty six. There, there was a the last Polka TV movie, so they did. Right. Oh, they played the Schmengies. So nineteen ninety one. Yeah, he's doing Father of the Bride. I don't stay rec- tuned. Oh. Yeah, TV movies and TV shorts. So nothing really big. Father of the Bride's ninety five. Hmm. Multiplicity ninety six. Waiting for Guffman ninety six. He may have just wanted too much money, and that's why he's not in the band. Yeah, just the last polka. Huh. It, it really, it really is. It, him being Jim's dad was probably one of the best things he could have did in his late career. You know, getting that, getting that <laughs> revamp. Of it. I'm serious. American Pie, like a new generation, was introduced to to Eugene Levy. Because now he's in Shit's Creek. Yeah, I'm with, serious. Uh, it's, yeah, with Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. yeah. So really, yeah, I, I, it's one of those things. Because I'm looking at his thing and throughout the '90s, nothing crazy. And then I'm just saying, like after American Pie, you you see his 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 filmography like triple. Like it yeah. goes it goes an average of like maybe one or two movies here, and mostly TV shows to like three movies a year, four movies. And he well, he really uh, he rode that American try American Pie train to like the very last stop. Yeah, <laughs> like when there was the like the direct to home video releases that guy that has none of the original cast except True. for him somehow. Like his kids aren't involved, but somehow he's still there, <laughs> which is kind of creepy. But funny, he did voicing for Night of the Museum for Albert Einstein bobbleheads, and you're like, yeah, you think 
Albert Einstein should have been in the, in the Night Museum movies. Now you think about it, that would have been funny. Dean Levy seems to latch on too. The the guy that did the uh, Waiting for Guffman and uh, Best in Show, yeah, all Christopher those, Guest, yeah, yeah, Guest. He he uh, rode that train for a while too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Best in Show. He's also yeah. He's in a bunch of those. Um, Mighty Wind. Mighty Wind. He's yeah. in that 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 crew. Yeah, but uh, as as Gus says, kids are resilient. They, they you know they bounce back from these things exactly. Um, and so, speaking of resilient kids, we have uh, Kevin McAllister with another beautiful snow s- scene. Our, our little buddy, <laughs> yeah. he's he's waking up. Yeah. You guys didn't even tell the story about him leaving his <laughs> Gus leaving his kid in a funeral parlor. <laughs> We're just gonna, once, you know. Yeah. Again, <laughs> that, that's, come on, that's, that's that the happens. story of Christmas. That I mean, it's the deep seated family trauma that's going to stick with that kid for, I mean, generations. Yes. I mean, now Kevin yeah. wakes up here and he's really hoping the family's all back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, so we get the we get the white Christmas. He runs downstairs, and you know, just Santa's a big phony. Yeah. Big goose egg. He's you know he he was good. He's tried to do the right thing, but you know he stole one toothbrush, and now he's on the naughty list. <laughs> are, are those presents he put under the tree? Did he find them in the house that like the parents already had ready, or did he he straight up like take more of Buzz's money and and buy these <laughs> gifts? <laughs> Maybe it was when he was setting up the uh, the the fun house, he stumbled upon all the gifts. <laughs> yeah. But would this have gone from a, a good movie to a truly great, great movie if it had ended with Kevin waking up and running downstairs and just ending with his mom's not there, just kind of ambiguously? <laughs> and, just, and then it just ends. We just yeah. pull the camera out. Kind of like we just pull the camera out. That's it. And him, him going, Mom? Mom? Yeah. <laughs> like a, just the music sting and then freeze frame yeah. or fade out. Maybe kind of like the, the, they did the Sopranos. Like, you don't know if she's there or not. Jesus Christ, Pete. Directed by Stephen King. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah. Yeah. So there there are some missed opportunities. I always thought one was because Kevin calls the police to the Murphys, we don't get the cops pulling up and knocking over the statue. True. And then here we we see the the is it the U-Haul pull up the truck pull up with the polka band and they they stay on the main road they don't pull up they don't come into the circular driveway and they also do not knock over the statue. Uh, or sorry, it's budget. It's not U-Haul. That would no. Honestly, that would be funny though. Yeah, you just you hear like, your little ADR John can like oh jeez. <laughs> would that be too many times though isn't it doesn't the rule of comedy isn't it three yeah that would, that would have been like yes. five or six yeah pizza yeah. pizza budget vans uh airport vans then pizza guy again i think it's just the three yeah, yeah that's your three yeah that's your three, three. Yeah. three. yeah that makes yeah. sense then does the cop hit it when he no he doesn't hit no. it when he comes to the house right no yeah so three i yeah that might have been a few too many <laughs> So maybe it's multiple. So well, so that was three. 
they would have had to then gone to six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or nine. <laughs> or nine. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. As many times as they knock that statue over, I will laugh every yeah. time. There's a line of cars just waiting in the, in the driveway. <laughs> it's like that scene of Airplane where they're lined up to, to slap the lady who's gone. There's just a line of cars waiting to knock over the, the statue. <laughs> So so Kate runs in, she's yelling Kevin, Kevin, she's going through the, the rooms downstairs, and he really did a good job. Like the, the living room was one thing. Like how that dining room is not covered in feathers mm. is amazing. Kevin, what if Kevin's the cleaner? You know, like it, Marley's the, <laughs> the hitman, like he's Anastasia, and what if Kevin's the cleaner for his dad? Like Harvey Keitel yeah. in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> he's the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wolf. <laughs> He's got a gift. I, I don't think I've ever had my house that clean. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. Kid's got a future in house cleaning. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, like Marley probably helped him out. He's like, all right, I, you know, this seems like a pretty domestic situation. There's probably a bunch of cleaning products under the kitchen sink. Get me some sheets. <laughs> you just need to scoop up all. We got to do is turn on this sink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Use his cleaning shovel. <laughs> he's in there yeah shoveling up feathers uh, got the tar shovel the uh the glass shovel yeah. the knockout shovel and I, I love in this how kevin kind of resists going to kate like right away like he just holds back for like a second yeah my that's what my thought process was like i don't think I'm trying until maybe this moment that Kevin realizes that the magic, it's not magic. It was just family ignorance. Like now he remembers they went to Paris and they did forget me. Like, it's not him going like she wasn't magically sent back from Santa. He realizes they did go to Paris and forgot me. I think that's why he's holding back. He's just like, yeah, wait wait a second. Like you really did forget me. Right. Yeah. It is. Is Kevin like a good 15 seconds of hesitation. He could have been a good fifteen minutes. I, 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 is is Kevin? I know this is anathema for a Christmas movie, but is Kevin too quick to forgive? Like, is Kevin enabling his mom? Hmm. See, I felt the exact opposite. I feel like at this point he should be so happy to see her that he runs to her instantly. I thought it was too long. I don't really like the the delay that he kind of holds out. This through different lenses here, Sean. So, yeah. <laughs> I was, well, that's why you know that's why we uh, we talk about these things to see you know I'll explore it from all the different angles. I mean, so. <laughs> I, I yeah, no, I I I think it is kind of odd. And you, the way I've been looking at it the whole time is that you know Kevin thinks magic is real and he has to get beg Sam to get his family back because he wished his family away and he realizes no, I didn't wish my family away. They did go and <laughs> they, they just did abandoned forget, me. They abandoned yeah. me. And there was nothing I could have done either way. Like even if I, even if I was nice to them and I went out to the hideaway bed, they still would have forgotten me. I was good for nothing. Yeah, if even if I didn't like disappoint everyone and I went to the highway bed and I said, "Can you please not have Fuller sleep in the bed with me?" She should go. Okay, think about it. Right, think about a different way where he ate, he eats cheese pizza, doesn't fight with Buzz. He's like you know tired or something like that, and they're like you have to sleep in a hideaway bed with Fuller. Can you have him sleep somewhere else, please, Mom? Okay, fine. The rest of the movie would play out exactly the same. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. The only difference maybe is if like the milk didn't spill on his ticket and they didn't forget it. But I mean, that family was running out of the house so fast that that ticket could have easily gotten lost. You still have Murphy from across the street ruining the count. Right. So 
really, it was, it was, it was almost, there's no way he wouldn't have gotten left home with how, just how the parameters of how he was going to go upstairs to sleep there. The clock, you know, power of the clock goes off. Um, he's and then the, the, the whole movie is just Kevin getting more and more bitter about, <laughs> you know, all these, all these strangers, these strange cousins come into my house. I give up my bed. I end yeah. up in the attic. Yeah. I do all this and they abandon me anyway. Yeah. Look at it that way. It, <laughs> it makes you feel even like That's a Christmas movie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, I thought George's story about the guy banging his dead wife was bad. And he's like, hold my beer while I giggle and tell you a real worst story. <laughs> Uh, madness because of all this yeah yeah well i like that so kate's got a little red string tied around her thumb which i've never actually done i don't know the origin but that's Hmm. a thing in like old-timey movies and tv shows you tie a string around your finger to remember something Hmm. which i don't know where that like where that comes from and you think like you wouldn't need to be reminded of your child. Yeah, she's, she's, just, she's just halfway, yeah, halfway flying across the country. Like, what's he doing? Uh, what's he doing? She's looking at the red string saying, what, this means something. Yeah. <laughs> what does this mean? Yeah. Now, I also noticed that um, some of her, I think at least, I think two of her rings are missing. If, if you go back to, I think it was our, in our second segment when she's in or maybe the third one where she's in the airport and she's trying to, she's trying to trade tickets yeah. with the woman who's boarding. I think it, it, that must've been the plane to Dallas. And she's like, Oh, I've got cash, the pocket translator, the uh, maybe it's a Rolex watch. The earrings are the same. So the woman didn't take the earrings, but the she's one, she must have dangly ones. Yeah. She's <laughs> <laughs> got a whole shoe box full of them. <laughs> Which is, I don't know if we addressed it at the time. That's not a good way to store earrings. No. It's in a shoebox. I mean, I hope, like, maybe they're on, like, in boxes or on cards or something, but if they're just loose in a shoebox, like, how are you ever going to find a pair? Especially dangly ones. They're going to get all yeah. tangled. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of problems with this film. Well, but maybe that's his problem. He's like, his exposure. He's already got all these earrings. They're impossible to find. Don't add more. Yeah. Don't add more. <laughs> Um, but this is, you know, then now it becomes a, a Christmas movie, the feel good moment. They're reunited. He's glad to see her. She's glad to see him. She'll never forget him again. He'll stop being such a pain and he'll, um, you know, he won't talk back so much. And then the, the moment's ruined by the rest of the family. They well, just can, barge in. It and, can even warm the iciest of hearts, right, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how you laughed there. I don't like how you laughed that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little sinister. Yeah. And and we have his complete transformation to a guy, a, a kid who's now a man that could take care of himself and live alone. Which is what he's going to be doing for the le- the next 70 years of his life. Yeah. <laughs> Gets the milk. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't his that. De- his dad calls him a funny guy, right? What yeah. A funny guy. Exactly. Yeah. Not a funny kid. <laughs> yeah. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's been the man of the house for the last three days. And he finds yeah. the gold tooth. I was going to say about the father having to like shop around these kids from back from since France. Like, I mean, he's probably like, maybe he's like kind of happy to like, oh, I don't have to deal with like Frank and my other brother right now. Like just hold up in that, that, that damn apartment. <laughs> I, 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 
I just <laughs> that, that apartment just looked. I mean, we only saw like two rooms. Mm-hmm. It just looked like I don't get how like fifteen twenty people are gonna live there for like a half a week. Like I just don't <laughs> see it. Like even in Paris, I'm just like I I would I like to sleep in a bed and not like on the floor of a of a this apartment place in Paris. Yeah. No way that that apartment's uh, more comfortable than the McAllister house. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They they left this mansion to be crammed to have, um, yeah. what, 15, what, 5, 10, yeah. 13. Yeah. You, cause now, cause the other brother, 19 people, yeah. 19 people crammed into oh, this Jesus little Christ. Paris apartment. Are you counting yeah. Kevin in this Ooh. hypothetical too? So count yeah. Kevin. Okay. Well, cause the, the, you know, originally that was the plan. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, because the brother, the his wife, Five, they have, what, a 14. son and then they have two Oh, no, sorry. Girls? It'd be 20. Yeah. Because both – so Pete and Kate, Frank and Leslie, they each have five kids. Then Rob and Georgette, who live in Paris now, they've got four kids. Yeah, four so – oh, 14, 14 kids plus the six parents. There's 20 yeah, people. Yeah. We're going to be in this little apartment. Meanwhile, you get – yeah, you got this this huge mansion that's all decked out. It's, you know – yeah. Christmas out to the ninth degree, and that yeah, house, let's leave this. In the, in the beginning of the movie, this house was kind of packed to the gills as it was. Yeah, yeah. like well, and, and not to mention the McAllisters, like Pete and Kate, just paid. You know, so they, they you know, Kevin didn't go, but I don't know if that's if that ticket's refundable. I mean, they just paid for seven people to go to Paris for three days or two <laughs> days because it would it would have been. Well, late Wednesday, by the time they got there, they were there Wednesday, Thursday, and they turned around and flew back Friday morning. Wearing the same clothes for <laughs> for three days. <laughs> <laughs> they are probably ripe. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably even like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess maybe like one of those days, like, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. He's on the phone. He's trying to make calls. So I'm just like, I don't even know if uh, – if, um, Pete, yeah, the father. If he even like they even went to sightsee, like in any other time, he's probably like on the phone trying to call the people, trying to call Chicago PD, you know. And then like, well, so, it's like, it's like, did they even like leave the apartment? Yeah, go to the apartment, like leave, look at Eiffel Tower, or like anything. Well, that's so that th- th- yeah. The question I have is what what do you think they should have done? On the one hand, Kevin's home alone. Kate's trying to get back. She's in the airport. She's treating, you know, they, they lose touch. They don't know where she is. Like, should they be there worrying or should they just go out? Because at that point, there's nothing they can do. It's, it's, They're just waiting for the flight. The first flight back they know of is Friday. That's it's just. Should they make the most of it while they're there? Should they get out to the Eiffel Tower and everything see, else? That's like that that one scene between Lenny and Pete, that the deleted scene at night mm-hmm. when like he can't sleep and he's like he's like sitting there like writing a note. Is he writing a note or he's doing? He's like writing something down. I remember and like Lenny comes yeah. in, and he's like Dad, like you can't sleep either. And they talk. They talk about this exact point. It's just like. Can we celebrate Christmas if we're not as a family? If we're all just like separated and stuff, like we, it's like you know, can you really celebrate family if you're like just not with your family? If you're not with, yeah, isn't it, yeah, is the the point is to be together? It's not about France and traveling and everything. Yeah, yeah it's kind of I I, I kind of wish that scene was still in. It's kinda, yeah, I just remember one day, like one time, me and my folks were at Disney World, and Mom got sick the one morning. And so she's like, ah, just I'm sick. I'm, I'm just gonna lay this one out. And like, this is bef- this is like what? Two th- this is like two thousand. This is the summer two thousand one. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have cell phones, or like maybe mom had a, a cell phone. That's about it. But anyway, so me and my dad are like, 
all right, I guess we'll just like go to Animal Kingdom for the day. Like it was just kind of like weird. Me and Dad just kind of walk around Animal Kingdom like without Mom. And so it's like we're kind of experiencing Disney World, but it's like we're not doing as a whole family, but we're here. So it's like I guess we should explore this. You know, it's like it's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. You're like, Mom's sick, but we're not really at home, so it's like weird. I had to like, what do you do when someone's like that sick on a vacation? Do you just like, all right, we're gonna go to Disney World? Yeah, we'll come I, don't back know. Later. I don't know what you do. Yeah, it's just it's just a weird feeling. Same thing here. It's like we're in Paris. Should we explore Paris? But half the family's like, our mom's not here, and our like the, our youngest Kevin, we legit abandoned yeah i'm sure buzz is like you know is there a nude beach around here somewhere or something we can get yeah, in december <laughs> and then kevin slowly walks to the window where he sees he's looking over next door at old man marley is out front and the son the daughter-in-law the little red-haired granddaughter and the score is just going nuts here it's great yeah yeah he's just yeah. tear pulling Coming. And that's it. Everybody, he's back with his family. Yeah. Kevin solved everything. All is right with the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like thinking that Robert's Blossom here is Marley is uh, the same character he was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And because he was the crazy <laughs> UFO guy in that, yeah. like that's what caused the rift in the family. That was it. Like, yes, they're UFOs. No, Dad, I'm telling you, they don't exist. Get out of my crazy house. Crazy old man. Son of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I also saw that they were going to freeze frame on on Kevin when he says, "Oh, just hung around and in, uh, in the movie that way, but they wanted like a more touching ending and close the old man Marley loop as well." Yeah. Yeah, and I like that just yeah, ending on Kevin would be kind of like the same as ending if they ended a few minutes earlier and they end on Kevin before Kate gets there. Uh, would be similar. I like. I like because all this. Well, and all this. The old man Marley stuff. This whole B plot was not in the original script. This is was all kind of added in later. Which I think you know it for me at least. It brings a lot more to the movie. I like. I like those bits. Yeah. 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 Why then? How does Kevin escape at the end? Do they 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 say how he escapes originally, if not by Marley. Um, I think it was just the the police arriving okay. at the Murphy's house. Um, is what it was. Yeah. Kevin and, and Marley course- also have like similar story arcs throughout the movie. They both, you know, they yeah. argue with their family. They lose their family in different ways. And then they are reunited in the end. So they're somewhat similar characters. I think what's it's also nice is that these are the only two families on this block right now that they're reunited. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just it. It's the McAllisters and the Marleys. They're just, they're reunited right now. Everyone else is all of their own vacations. They're all away. But these two families right here in this on this block, I hope the music's playing as I'm telling you this. Is- mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think like in years, years past, Kevin will ever tell his family like, oh yeah, I remember that one time you forgot me when you went to Paris. Do you think he'll ever tell them the whole story of what happened? Like, you know, I caught the wet bandits, actually. <laughs> when he's on a Coke binge, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like 20 years old, and he's still like suffering trauma from this. <laughs> yep. yeah. It's going to make the trauma worse. Yeah. Because no one will believe it. <laughs> At his intervention. Like, yeah. I want to know why I'm this way. <laughs> Being home alone changes a man, let me tell you. <laughs> I was going to ask, were you. Where you guys think this uh, ranks with among John Williams' uh, movie scores? Ooh, I love this that's score. a good question. Yeah. 
as well. It's a great I, score. I think this is. I, I think five. it's one of his best. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I feel he reinvented holiday music. Is that the best way to put it? He just like he's like this music could be used as holiday music and also, you know, to to describe emotions during holiday, you know, mm-hmm. during the holiday festival. Yeah, yeah the the soundtrack is it can be um, among your your Christmas listening and it would fit right in. Absolutely. Oh, easily, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of great Christmas songs that they pull into it, you know, traditional Christmas or kind of, yeah, you know, pop songs from the 20th century that they pull in in addition to um, the great score. We, we talked about the very beginning because it is, you know, it's a Christmas movie, but there's also the, the criminal heist aspect and it, it's a little scary in the beginning with the thunderstorm and stuff that there's that sort of Danny Elfman feel to it. There's a little bit of like a, um, almost like, like the, the Batman score, um, the beginning of, of Batman, uh, Batman 89, um, some of that Elfman in it. A little haunting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. I mean, I don't know. So you've got, you know, when you talk about John Williams, there's, there's so much and so much great stuff, you know, the star Wars, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Maybe this is like number three. Oh, Superman. Those. Yeah, Superman's yeah. amazing. There's Superman. Jurassic there's Close Encounters. Yeah. There's Jaws. I say, uh, say it ranks up with any one of them. Yeah. You can slide it anywhere yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. He's, he just created so many just just like take it for granted music that ex- that existed. It existed because he worked on a movie and he knew the exact emotion, the exact feeling that's in your brain. He's able to put that to music. Like just like traveling to Isla Isla Sorna, you know? Dun 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 mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, that's it, that's mm-hmm. it. Like there's no other music that can describe this scene better than that. You know, and it's yeah. just like and you're in a spaceship, he's gonna play Star Wars music. And you're like, this is it. There's no other music that's gonna beat yeah. this music. And you're like you're cutting your way through the Amazon jungle and, and dun, 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 dun. It just it, it's just like it's amazing what he does. And then so with this you just like yo, this is holiday music. And outside of like actual church hymns like there's no mm-hmm. music that's just more accurate to, to christmas oh that was beautifully said dude yeah and then and, and, and you just said jaws you're just like that's terror you just go terror what's the yeah. best way to describe this <laughs> yeah music. that's yeah. terror that's, when that's I, when why I'm i don't scared. go in the ocean yeah and i'm scared that's that's the music <laughs> place. Yeah. it's just it, it's it's amazing that a man can have a talent like that just uh to be able to put Put to paper and to have instruments play this, this these exact certain things that you now take for granted uh, years later. You go, yeah, that's that's just that's the song. It's just that's the emotion I feel when I think of that. Yeah, well said. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta, you gotta end with Buzz here. Yeah, <laughs> we ended with Buzz. So yeah, speaking of talent, uh, Johnny Hughes and Christopher Columbus have have kind of closed up all the loops. Dad finds the the gold tooth. Marley is reunited with his family. Buzz has discovered that his room is completely destroyed and his spider is still missing somewhere in the cold. Mm. In today's gold market, what do you think that tooth is worth? Let's see. Yeah, Gold's we- up these days, I think. Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> 200 bucks or no? Nah. <laughs> How much money is dental scrap worth? Oh, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with this. 
40 bucks. Uh, it's really Assuming dark. a gold crown weighs one-tenth of an ounce, it can be worth as little as $40 if the alloy is 10 carat, or more than $90 if the alloy is 22 carat. <laughs> yeah, because it's not going to be... Yeah, gold on its own. Gold is a pretty soft metal, which is why I like all the old-timey films. You show the prospector kind of biting a gold coin to see if it's real, because yeah. it's... You know, pure gold is going to be, or the more pure it is, the softer it's going to be. For a tooth, yeah, it's going to be very low percentage of gold. So probably not that much. I mean, I would think more than the dollar value is the ability to trace the the tooth to its owner. And then for, you know, for Pete to send the shovel slayer after <laughs> to find out our, who's been in my house and how do we take care of them, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so what a great movie as always, you can watch yeah. it every year. <laughs> some of us do. Some of us do. Um, yeah. So that kind of, and the, the, the credits roll and that's it. And it's over and we all feel good about it for, for the most part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> most of, most of us feeling mo- mostly good, but so as we wrap up, um, you know, any any other thoughts on on not just this section, but on the movie as a whole? Gosh, um, I don't. I, don't, I think going over this movie was it was a treat, and uh, you know, Mike's got his his work cut out for him when he starts working on this. You know, full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's one of these um, movies. That's yeah, not- there's and the, there's certainly a lot of good stuff in there that we haven't we haven't had a chance to touch upon. So yeah, um, well, we, we have plenty plenty of meat on that bone. And it's not like stuck in the '90s either. This this is timeless, you know. I mean, my my kids watch it and they love it. And I don't think there's really, outside of maybe a couple of fashion choices or haircuts, I don't think there's really you know anything that really holds this strictly in 1990. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, I the, the, yeah. You have the spoil sports that always come in and be like, "Oh, it doesn't work if they have cell phones," but eh. it's eh. Like one, at what age does he have? Like, would an eight-year-old have a cell phone? I would say no. Mine, mine don't. Yeah. I mean, he would have, like, maybe a tablet or something for games, but he wouldn't necessarily have a phone. And, yeah. And phone know. lines were down a little bit, too. And then the neighbors are not around. doesn't even matter. Yeah. So, yeah, even if, and, and he's still home alone. It just, yeah. you know, it, it takes away the part of, oh, they can't get in touch with him because the phone lines are down. But even if you can get in touch with him, it's still... They're still on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, and they're still gonna, you know, try to get back to them. I can tell you from experience, you can still get left behind in the cell phone era. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so have you? Have, so it sounds like there's a story there. Have you either been left behind, or have you left someone behind? I have been left behind in a, at a rodeo in San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, no, I just heard the scream. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was in college, we went on these cross-cultural trips, and mine was in San Antonio and down in like Brownsville, Texas. So the last day we were in San Antonio, the last night I should say, we went to a rodeo, and my friend and I went on the same trip, and mm-hmm. I went to use the restroom, and I'm like, hey. I'm going to go right over there to the restroom. I will be right back, you know, kind of in case they decided <laughs> to leave. I come out and, you know, I look around and I'm like, nobody's here. 
And I walked around the whole place and I'm like, nobody's here. (laughs) So I tried to call my friend and call her and call her. And like, I got voicemail or it just didn't go through. And I was like, oh my gosh, to become a rodeo clown because I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> that's the only way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where, yeah, that's where most rodeo clowns come from. <laughs> Get left behind. <laughs> so, like, what do I do? I'm like, well, I just I'll have to call my dad, you know, back in Ohio. I don't, I don't know. So I call him and his first question was, have you been drinking? I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, I, I'm a dad. I just have to ask. So I got, I, I was like, okay, the phone number of our group leader should be on this paper on the fridge. And so I, he got that to me and I called her and I'm like, um, are you, are any of you guys still at the rodeo? <laughs> and she's like, no, why? I'm like, I'm still here. <laughs> and uh, it was one of those times where, yeah, it was an adventure, but I laugh about it now. I was not, I was very mad at my friend because she didn't tell anybody, mm-hmm. even though she, when she found out I was, I was not in the van with her, she didn't tell anybody I was not <laughs> <What>? there. <laughs> oh, <wow>. So I, <laughs> but I, uh, I'm happy to report I, you know, made it back safely to Ohio and. <laughs> Good, good. Right. I was wondering yeah. how that would end. Yeah. Cliffhanger. <laughs> but yeah, that's my left behind story. All right. So it's it still happens even in even with cell phones, you still yeah. get left behind. So there yeah. you go. It can happen. That should shut up the naysayers. <laughs> what they were really missing was the cell phone technology of just having like uh Expedia or something. Uh, exactly. Instead of waiting at the airport, it's like, show me all the flights, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that yeah. I guess that just about wraps up our coverage. Anything uh, Anything else anyone has to add? All right. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think we've 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 covered this this movie pretty well. I mean, not not so well that someone else couldn't also cover it in their own podcast, but <laughs> I think well enough for this year. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I wouldn't blame Mike for not saying anything else. He's like, no, I'm holding this back. I got pages, baby. Serious notes here. Yeah. <laughs> These idiots—they missed everything. <laughs> I'm making furious typing motions right now. Yeah. <laughs> save it, save it for the show. Save it for next year. Um so yeah, so so speaking of next year, so um Mike, I know we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh one more time, like tell our folks, well, one, where they could have heard you in the past and then uh where they can hear you in the future. Yeah, so you might have heard me on Return to Oz Minute, uh podcast I did with uh Tierney Steele Callahan about Mm -hmm. Return to Oz, the 1985 classic uh, sequel slash alternate Wizard of Oz story. And coming up in 2020 for the 30th anniversary, Home Alone Minute, probably at homealoneminute.com or something very similar on Twitter or uh, I guess kenoshakickers.net because Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I I like domain names. But once again, Kenosha, is, Kenosha Kickers is harder to spell than Home Alone Minute. So diehards yes. can type in. Uh, no, no offense to anyone in Wisconsin who immediately knows how to spell Kenosha. Yeah. Well, and then for, for Return to Oz, you also had the, um, 
weogtogpog.com, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of a hard to spell domain, domain I never name. figured out how to spell that. I tried finding that like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the secret is you have to do the hand motion with your fingers yeah. as you're yeah. as you're typing it out to, oh. to get it. Yeah, done. like you stick your thumb off. Or you can just go to return to ozminute.com. Yeah. That's probably the safest bet. Home Alone Minute, we'll have a hundred and something minutes. I forget the exact count. Yeah, it's uh, what, 102. Oh, 102. If you, if you go through the end of the credits. But, uh, sounds, sounds more right than 140. I don't know. What I'm <laughs> I'm an hour I don't know is there like an extended cut out there, maybe? <laughs> There's the one that has the full 15 minutes that, that Kevin waits before he runs to Kate at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have to get like someone who has like video editing skills to actually just kind of draw out that scene and just have the camera going back and forth between them for fifteen. <laughs> Jeez, well, that, that is a long cleaning montage, the long uh, <laughs> the shovel shovel slaying montage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah the you know I mean if if you've never tried to dig a six foot grave with a snow shovel, let me tell you, it does not go quickly. <laughs> That's all, especially yeah in 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 December in Chicago. <laughs> That ground's going to be hard. That's all I'm saying. Um, so speaking of things that are hard, uh, so Pete, if folks want to hear more from you and, and more of your cheery demeanor, where can they do that? Well, can I, I, I should start with a, a, a disclaimer because I, I, I enjoy talking about all my family trauma around the holidays. But uh, mm-hmm. I have never spent a Christmas with Rachel or with any of the rest of you in this uh, podcast. And I would just like to say if I had, I'm sure I would have nothing but lovely, wonderful thoughts of Christmas. <laughs> Ditto. Likewise. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do a, a, a podcaster's Christmas at some point where we all get together mm. in, uh, in, in person, at least. And uh, yeah, we'll make it a good time. <laughs> but so you didn't answer the question. So where, oh. where can people hear more from you? Because because people don't know, so you got to tell them. National Lampoon <laughs> Christmas Vacation Days, starring Sean German and Christopher Dennis DeGuardia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do. He's a, not even going to mention the Indiana Jones. The thing. Indiana Jones minute, uh, <laughs> where we talk about Indiana Jones. Yeah, and that's that's a good one. I mean, there's some good movies, and uh, definitely a very good a good soundtrack through all those movies from, from John Williams. Well, at least three of them I haven't seen. I keep hearing about that there's a fourth Indiana Jones movie, but I've, I haven't actually seen it, so I don't know if that, that exists. <laughs> um, and, and Doug, so if folks want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Yeah, um, I'm a host of Rocky Minute, where we go through the Rocky movies one minute at a time. Uh, currently doing Rocky 3, uh, mm-hmm. and we can be found at DuelingGenre.com. Yeah, yeah. And I current yeah, folks should check that out. Talking about movies with with great scores. Um you got a lot of great mu- got a great music with uh with 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 Rocky there. Absolutely. Bill Conti's a genius. All right. Yeah. Uh Rachel, anything? You got any plugs? Anything you want to tell folks about? Um <laughs> no, I don't think so right now. No. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, I mean, you, you show up every once in a while. If, if folks are listening to uh, various movie podcasts, they'll, they'll hear your voice every now and again. Every now and then, yep. <laughs> um, and Dave, Yo. Uh, I know we've mentioned it before, but once again, tell the folks about the, the Five Minutes of Mystery. Sure, Five Minutes of Mystery is the podcast where I cover the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble Mystery Men. 
And we talk all about Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not all about Smash Mouth. It's also uh, talking Breck. about diners and breakfast meats. Yep. And uh, yeah. there's, there's other stuff. So definitely worth, worth checking out. Shrek. <laughs> Not Shrek. <laughs> Made famous by No. <laughs> All right, so that's that's it from uh, Brian and myself. And then if you uh, you kind of hang on, uh, so I hope everyone you know, folks, if you're in the U.S. where we celebrate Thanksgiving, have a good one. If you're in Canada where you celebrated Thanksgiving a few weeks ago, I hope you had a good one. If you're in Europe, um, good for you. We're celebrating our independence from you schmucks. And, uh, <laughs> Suck it, Neil Brown. <laughs> Any closing thoughts from uh, from you, Brian? No, I mean, it's been great. This is the one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made. And I watch it every year. And it's been really fun. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah. Have, have a good time, everyone. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Wow, that's kind of... Talk to you later. That's not a good way to end a podcast, is it? Talk to you later. See you. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Seeing the funny pages. Is that a thing? <laughs> with you, you could just be saying, Mom? <laughs> Are you here? <laughs> <laughs>